Welcome. I'm Dr. Liz, an entrepreneur, speaker, podcaster, mom, and wife. This podcast is about hypnosis, but also about all kinds of ways to help you live your fullest life, to heal, transform, to play the long game and go after the joy. You can see more about me at drlizhypnosis.com. Hop over there to get a free hypnosis file to decrease fear and anxiety or one to increase emotional stability. They're there just for you. I hope you enjoy the podcast as much as I do. Peace. Hi, Drake. Welcome back to the Hypnotize Me podcast. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a while since we last talked, so it's kind of nice. Yeah, it is. And I had your wife, Lindsay, on again. Yeah, and, uh, she's great. <laughs> she is. She really is. Yes, you both seem to be really tuned in to what's going on internally with people. Yeah, you know, we're both doing very different things, but, you know, I'm I'm grateful for her, and I think the other way around, because we always have somebody fairly close by we can bounce ideas off of and uh, get opinions, and of course... She is a, is an English and psychology major, so uh, she looks at all of my uh, writing, and uh, she's one of those grammar Nazis, you know. Ah, yes, <laughs> but I, I, I appreciate it. It really well, is. It really is good. It's nice to have an editor in house. Yes, indeed. Before you before you send it off to the editor, <laughs> she, she's about ready to kill me, but. She, she wants me to stop writing books, I think, but it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> I don't think so. You you published three last December, December 22. Right. And you have more before that. How yeah. many do you have total now? So I've probably written a dozen books. There's eight in publication right now. Okay. Are there two um, just waiting? Well, like I have a novel that uh, I'm probably going to release that in a Kindle type of thing or something like that. And I've got a mm -hmm. autobiography, which I don't know if I'm going to, how I'm going to do that. I wrote that years ago and, uh, well, I've got a book on mechanical things that I probably got 1200 pages of that mm -hmm. I might be halfway done with. I'm thinking, but what kind of mechanical things all about, uh, engines and, uh, stuff like that. So oh, in, in great detail. <laughs> Really interesting. My mind does not think that way. So I'm always grateful for the people in my life whose mind does you know think what? that way. <laughs> Me too. You know, and and some of the some of the books that I have benefited from the most are not ones that people would know uh much about. Or there's a really? book called Internal Fire that I read years ago, but it's by uh C. Lyle Cummins, who is the son of Clessy Cummins, who developed the Cummins diesel engine. And uh, Lyle Cummins is a, an engineer himself and has quite a few uh, patents to his uh, claim. And mm -hmm. uh, But he went into great detail about the development of the engine from very early beginnings and stuff like that. And then he has a follow-up book about the development of the Cummins diesel engine. But it was amazing stuff. And, uh, and I wrote him. Uh, before we did emails and stuff like that, and I wrote him and I uh, uh, talked about his book and I appreciate that. And I asked about some uh, additional things that might have been part of that. And 
And here's a guy, he's probably worth zillions of dollars and got plenty to do. And he sat down, wrote me a letter and uh, back to me. So I thought that was pretty impressive. But Awesome. Yes. But there's people like that who are writing stuff. They're writing it from, and me too, because my audience is pretty small. When you think about the hypnosis community out there, yes. it's not that big. Right, and, true. But we we write uh, valuable stuff, you know? I mean, it's like mm -hmm. the people who need it, they appreciate it, you know? It's like, it's and so true. it yes. won't get you a, a New York Times bestseller list, but uh, it's still going to be appreciated. Yes, absolutely. I have a, a script book that I reference. I actually reference, you have one that I reference as well, but mm -hmm. there's another one that's pretty obscure and it's literally just scripts for hypnosis for different kinds of topics. And but hardly anyone knows about this book and I love it. I use it all the time. So it you, is very you know, helpful. Who wrote that book? It's called, I think the title is very basic, 70 hypnosis scripts. Oh, really? And I cannot, I'm really bad with author names. I'm <laughs> the titles though. I don't know the author name. Yeah, yeah. there's uh, the, there's a couple that I recommend. I'm not big on script books. I think a lot of them are not that well written, but, uh, but some are. There's a gal up, I think she's in Chicago. Her name is Summers. And um, I'm trying to think the name of her book, but I've often recommended it. It's, um, it's kind of based in uh, uh, Ericksonian uh, mm -hmm. stuff, but when I when I look at, and a lot of it isn't scripts, a lot of it is you know good hypnotic language and stuff like yes. that. But I read her book, I go, man, she's saying the same kind of stuff I am, you know. So it's good to see that out there. Yes, I think there is an element to the book resonating with how you work personally mm -hmm. because some of them I read and or I see I'm in a group that that um will post scripts and it's like I would never use any of this. Right. And it's not it's not that it's a bad script. It just there's no way I would say that like in yes. real life. <laughs> you know what I see when I pick up a, a script book, a lot of times I see I, I read a script and I go, this person has never used this script. I'm mm. going, they were writing a script book and they didn't needed something to put in there. And so they wrote a script for this and it's not been time tested. Oh, I won't, yeah. I won't give out yes. any scripts that I haven't used over time and made sure they have an effectiveness. And, yes. Interesting. And yeah. our, our wording, our wording is very important. And if you're going to be writing scripts, you be, need to be using good hypnotic language. You know, it's like, because some yes. people are just going to sit there and read that script. And you want the best possible outcome from that you can get. That is funny. I had written an author of a script book on weight loss. And there is, it was like the first one you're supposed to use. And I, we did maybe 10 emails back and forth because I could not understand how this would go in a session. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, you're supposed to do what? Like, it made no sense to me. Yeah. And this is years and years ago. So the, it's clicking into place. Like, oh, perhaps that had not been used with yeah. an actual client. Right. Like, yeah. Sometimes I, they just put them into trance out. and then wake them up again. And then they're supposed to talk out loud and, and read their list and then put them back. It was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know anyone who wants to do that. 
like hypnosis is pretty relaxing. Yes. You really want to, you know, come to you and read a list that I, I don't, yeah. I was like, this isn't going to work for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's something I tell my students, you want to be familiar with a script before you use it because yes. you, you don't know. And, and I give some, uh, in class, I give some examples of scripts that are just horrendous, you know, and uh-huh. it's like, do not use these. These are examples to avoid. <laughs> you know? yeah, yes. and, and so you want to be, you want to be uh, certain. And not only that, a script that worked for a client a couple hours ago may not be appropriate for somebody with the same issues later on. So absolutely, you, there's not yes. a one size fits all in my way of looking at things. Agreed. Yes, it's very much uh, dependent on the client and what they're presenting and. The way I see it is how, like, where are they coming from? Like where, where's their come from mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how can I best fit into that so that we can shift into a pattern that's making them happier, basically. Yes. I I've seen uh, scripts, books and scripts from people who are big names out there in the field. And it's like, man, what are you thinking? You know, it's like, God, I wouldn't yeah. put this out there. It's garbage. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But yes. a lot of times the people who are on the receiving end of that stuff, they don't know. They don't know. You know, they're just learning. And we should think of scripts as being our training wheels as we're building mm-hmm. hypnotic language so that we're not reliant on scripts, you know, so that some people, if they don't have a script, they can't do a session, you know, and it's like, yes, I have hardly ever used a script. Some of my own stuff, I have a couple of scripts that even I can't do off the top of my head or not very closely because mm-hmm. they are so they're they're meant to scramble your brain right? so it's like yes the, yeah so it's in a way we're getting a bypass of the critical faculty by uh using language that does bypass the critical faculty and then we're inserting embedded suggestions along the way yeah exactly so yeah i, lo- I can't do those from heart either there's a lot of stuff I can do on the fly from heart, all of that. But yeah, one of those types. You know, it's like I did the Silva method in the very early 70s, and they had a nice flow of language. A mm-hmm. lot of that came out of Emil Kuei's stuff. And also, um, trying to think of the guy's name. Uh, but anyway, he was part of Silva for a long time, but he helped to create that flow of language that kind of stuck with me over the years so that. You know, I could always come up with some decent hypnotic language, no matter what the situation was or whatever. And it's a way we can help a client no matter what their issue is. You know, it's like if somebody comes in with something and you don't know really what to do with that issue, we can still give some nice hypnotic patter that's going to help to deal with whatever's going on. Yes. Yes. True. Yeah. A lot of our work is very creative, Mm -hmm. I would say. So let's switch tacks here and talk some about lucid dreaming. It's an interesting topic, and I think it's really helped me to form my regular dream habits. Mm, So, you know, a lot of people are disturbed by their dreams. Yes. And I was thinking about this, and I'm going, I like my dreams. You know, I mean, I Mm -hmm. love getting in that dream world, and most of my dreams are I'm always on some kind of adventure, you know, in the outdoors or I'm, you know, nice. exploring something somewhere. And that's kind of uh, reflective of who I am. But I think a lot of the reason that my dreams are not disturbing 
is because I learned to do lucid dreaming a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And so I've kind of trained my subconscious in a way that, hey, we're not going there or we're going to fix that. So yes, years ago in the early 90s, I, I first read about lucid dreaming. And it was uh, Stephen LeBurge, and he wrote a book called Lucid Dreaming. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was reading his stuff, and he said, when you're in a dream, look at your hands. Once you look at your hands, then you can begin to control the dream. And he mm -hmm. said, well, this, uh, this can take weeks of practice before, before you finally get started doing it. So I go, yeah, okay. So I went to bed that night, fell asleep. I'm dreaming. I look at my hands right off the bat, you know, and, and away mm -hmm. we go. And so ever since then, I've been kind of controlling it. Now, so what's the benefit of this? Well, you know, especially if we're having um, ongoing uh, theme in our dreams or things like that, we can begin to shift those things. Mm -hmm. But I think what wasn't touched on in that early work is some of the real positive benefits of lucid dreaming. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I want to insert here is, as I talk about in some of my writing, is for hypnosis, hypnotic effects to occur, there needs to be just a, at least a bit of conscious mind present somewhere. Well, when we're lucid dreaming and we're guiding the dream, we have to have a little bit of consciousness there. So really, lucid mm -hmm. dreaming is a form of self-hypnosis. Mm. And it, it's very, uh, a very deep state. Um, yes. I don't, I don't know if I would call it that. You're seeing from a sleep specialist perspective, it's like you're dreaming, you're in the REM state. Right. Well, you might and be in a REM state, yeah. Right. Well, you can dream in any stage, absolutely. Yeah. But the vast majority of it occurs in the REM state. Yeah. The question I would ask then is like all sleep self-hypnosis. No, no, I wouldn't say that because the best definition right. I've been able to find for sleep is a complete lack of conscious activity. So if we're guiding the dream, there's not yeah, a complete there's not, loss right. of conscious activity. But yet you are still asleep. Like any sleep lab would sure. say you're sleeping. Oh, yeah. Even oh, if yeah. you're having. And definitely when we come into those lighter stages of sleep, we absolutely have some consciousness there. And yeah. some people have more than others. Like my husband has zero. Right? He's a very deep sleeper. Whereas oh. I'm like, I can hear anything that's happening in the house in those lighter <laughs> stages of sleep. Yeah. As a lot of women do. Yeah. yeah well, that's true. Because women have that women's intuition thing or whatever it's like when you have little kids yeah even when you're asleep there's some of your awareness is wherever that kid is you know? absolutely you know yes. and uh, so there's that other sensory thing where men don't tend to do that as much now i know i never had kids until i met Lindsay, and at that time the youngest was four and the oldest was 10 mm -hmm. but i i was like that i mean i mm -hmm. Even though uh, the youngest room was down the hall, mm -hmm. I could hear him fussing in the night or whatever. Right. Lindsay wouldn't even know. But I, I was always kind of aware. So I was kind of intuitive that way. But yes. uh, you're right. I think women are more inclined to be like that than guys are. Yeah. Yeah. For various 
you know, evolutionary reasons, right? <laughs> yeah. Part of it probably comes from our genetic past, too, because in the past, men had to be comfortable out in hunting and warring yep. trips in in not such comfortable situations, but they still need to get some sleep, you know. So yes. uh, we probably developed uh, that ability a little more so, as well as the ability to be in less clean surroundings. So, you know, when your husband <laughs> yeah. leaves his underwear on beer cans laying around, you, you can blame it on his genetics. <laughs> yeah. When I was doing a lot of couples therapy, which I don't, I don't do couples therapy together anymore. I'll work mm -hmm. with one individual to improve their marriage, but I don't see them together. But when I was, I'd, I'd have people ask me if I could hypnotize the other person to pick up their socks. <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> sorry. Believe me, I would have done it if I could. Yeah, My they have to want to. <laughs> would be spotless and the dishes would be done and, you know, all of that. Um, yeah. But back to the the lucid dreaming, it is a interesting state because you are exerting some consciousness during it. I learned to lucid dream. I must have been in my um, teen years. Mm -hmm. I think. So I used to have a lot of nightmares when I was little, and I'd you know get up from my bed. My dad was still awake, and he'd make me like tea and toast, and and then we talk about it some. And I think he's the first person who ever told me I could have some control over those dreams. Yeah. So I must have been like pre teenagehood then when the first concept was introduced. But I would say like my first awareness of doing that would probably be late teens or early 20s where I was being chased and I would tell myself to fly, like fly so that I could get away. Hey, see, there you go. Yeah. And I would, I would fly and it would be very, very difficult at first. Like, oh my gosh, I can't get off the ground, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it became easier and easier as time went on. Yeah. So it is really this mixed state of you're asleep for sure, according to any EEG, but you do have some consciousness going on in there. Yeah. So, you know, we said that in a deep delta state, there is no conscious awareness, at least in adult people, little right. kids, different thing. But now they're saying that. There are a lot of people will sleepwalk and sleep talk in adult estate. So there's something is going on. You know, it's not, we're not just yes. totally uh, blitzed out. Well, it's interesting because they consider those quote unquote disorders. Like there's <laughs> something wrong with the adult estate mm. that they can get up and walk. And there was a court case around that actually. Someone is that right? Something. Oh, yeah. yeah. An adult estate. And he, he won the case. He really was asleep. Oh, to... yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yes. That's but yeah, it is. But they've studied also uh, meditators. There was a medium where I was reading his book. And I don't remember which, which one it was, the name. But when they put him in an EEG, he was talking just like you and me. Mm -hmm. handling the spiritual world but his eeg showed a delta state which was like unheard of yes yeah well and they've done uh, tests on monks that were meditating and they mm -hmm. could be in any state yes and they'd still be sitting there like you know just meditating away but they could generate any kind of brain frequencies you wanted you yes. know we used to think you couldn't 
you couldn't hypnotize or be meditating in a gamma state, but now all kinds of things are going on in a gamma state. And that's true. Uh, and it's uh, craziness. Yeah. Uh, and for, for the listeners who are a little lost by this conversation, let me just say that normally when you're walking around, you're in beta state. That's a very focused aware state. Then the next stage of a more relaxed state is alpha, then it's theta, and then delta is typically considered deep sleep. Gamma is considered a flow state. Artists, athletes, um, all kinds of people can actually enter a flow state, but it's a mix of brain waves that's actually, it measures higher than beta. It's really interesting. So we used to think gamma was, uh, and it can be, a state of fight or flight. It can be that. It can mm -hmm. also be a state where we have spiritual experiences, uh, things like that. Of a, And we used to say up to 30 cycles per second. Now they're saying 300 cycles per second. Yes. You know, it's, I did a training with Joe Dispenza. You know who he is? Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. And it was a week-long meditation, thing, basically. And a lot of yeah. that was to get into gamma states and mm. activating the, the pineal gland and you know i'm big into that stuff although i wasn't getting some of the responses some people were because i mean and some of them i think were showy i don't think they were really maybe doing all <laughs> yeah. they thought they would but um I mean, some people are getting into these crazy states but i'm thinking man uh if it's that good why come out you know <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah, right. someone has to clean the house and cook the food and right yourself <laughs> back to the lucid dreaming one of the things that i figured out early on about that when i was practicing is you're not just directing or controlling your dreams mm -hmm. you're doing therapy on yourself because what's happening mm -hmm. is you're training your subconscious to take control in these various situations, which expresses on your external world as well. So oh, I never thought of it that way. You're totally right. I mean, I'd be laying there in bed at night and I'm going, oh man, I'm doing therapy on myself and I'm not even paying for it, you know? <laughs> it's free. <laughs> free therapy. And um, in uh, Leberge's, um Book, I think this book came out in uh, 92 or so, but exploring the world of lucid dreaming, he kind of gets more into focusing on specific things in your lucid dreams, like maybe mm -hmm. you want to focus on abundance or your health or things like that. But mm -hmm. he's got some different kind of methods to to uh, approach those things. So. Uh, mm -hmm. people well, who we are... know we can affect it as part of my CBTI, cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia training, there's a section of it that we do on nightmares, particularly for people having PTSD. They mm -hmm. know that once we improve their sleep, it can actually improve their PTSD or their depression or their anxiety. So sometimes we start um, over on PTSD, depression, anxiety, and nobody really looks at their sleep. And it's like, oh, let's improve the sleep and all of this stuff can get better. The technique is when they're in the conscious state, rewriting what they want that dream to be if it's a recurring dream. Right. And then um, that begins to happen in the dream. So it's really interesting. So you could take that 
and apply it to different things. Yes, abundance or serenity or whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah, so we have a recurring dream. It's your subconscious trying to communicate to you through metaphor. And usually that means that some change needs to occur. If we're having nightmares, it's Mm -hmm. your subconscious saying, hey, pay freaking attention. You know, it's yes. like, this yeah. is important. And if we, if we don't uh, pay attention, if we don't take control, those things will keep repeating themselves. I think yes. a lot of reason that people have trouble sleep sleeping is a lot of times they're afraid of their dreams because they're disturbing. There's part of them that, you know, hasn't addressed stuff. I'm, you know, or I've had cases where uh, clients when they were, little they would have a parent who was an alcoholic or abusive or whatever and they would come into their room in the middle of the night and abuse them in some way well mm-hmm. what the hell you know it's like no wonder you have sleep problems you know if you yes. know because your your subconscious has set you up to be aware yes uh also a lot of people are more hypersensitive you know and any little mm-hmm. sound or anything disturbs them yes a part of that is could be the intuition thing, but part of that is we just is a control thing. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what I find a lot of people have control issues, have trouble falling asleep because they don't want to give up that control. You know, to that's fall true. asleep, you got to let go. You know? Yes. It's like, you know, <laughs> away we go. Yes. But I have a little piece of patter built in with some that talks about sounds in the night. And it's not that we don't hear these things. But Mm -hmm. we hear them through the subconscious, and the subconscious recognizes these things as being benign and -hmm. just allows the conscious mind to go off to the beach somewhere or whatever, and we can sleep (laughs) through the night. But if we allow every little sound, if we don't um, edit those sounds, then we're going to wake up to every little thing which really doesn't need our attention. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I started doing hypnosis for insomnia before I got trained in CBT for insomnia. Mm-hmm. It's quite effective to use hypnosis is what people don't realize. And in fact, when they do research studies with CBT and what they call relaxation kind of control group, it's like you do get an effect there on the sleep that it will better that when you start to give suggestions for someone to have deeper sleep, and sometimes those are direct and sometimes those are through metaphor, like dolphins diving deeply into the ocean and cycling back up for a breath of fresh air and then going right back down, that type of language, you can really affect how deeply someone sleeps and how um, many times they wake up through the night will decrease, even to use the bathroom, like all kinds of stuff. That's a a common one. People will say, I have to wake up and use the bathroom so much, and then I can't get back to sleep. And it's like, well, we can help you with that, with hypnosis. Sure. Mm -hmm. And you know what? We've all done this. We've all got up in the middle of the night and used the bathroom and really never did wake up. You know, it's like you just kind of go into the thing and you might not even remember you ever did it or know that you ever did it. So, you know, we can kind of stay in that sleep state almost and uh, get our job done. Yeah. So a good thing for people to do is, you know, as you're getting ready to go to bed, first of all, if you've got daily business in your head that you need to tend to you should write it down somewhere 
uh, mm-hmm. on a pad of paper. And when you're going to take care of this, you got phone calls to return or you got a meeting to do or whatever. Write those things down and get them out. Then then you're not just processing business all night long and having a that kind of a sleep. Also, you don't want to do things like watch the news and then go to bed or whatever. Because yeah. now you feel the subconscious with all this. Uh, and there's nothing good on there. It's not gonna be, <laughs> nothing gonna yeah. put you to sleep on the news. No. <laughs> uh, right. As we drift off to sleep, we go through a hypnagogic state, which is a really good time to be giving yourself some positive affirmations, some positive images. As I'm going off to sleep, I'm always imagining myself in some really uh, nice surroundings. You know, like I'm out camping or building a cabin or doing something that. Uh, gives me comfort and and like mm-hmm. that or listen to your uh, affirmation recordings or just give yourself some affirmations cuz that's going to help to set the tone for what's going to happen next and in the yes. same way when we wake up in the morning we go through the hypnopompic state which again mm-hmm. is a hypnotic state yes most people don't get very good advantage of it because uh they don't wake up naturally you know they mm-hmm. wake up when they're feet hitting the floor and they're off and running you know maybe they got an alarm clock that wakes you up well mm-hmm. now you're missing out on that and that's what happens a lot of times when people say i don't remember my dreams it's not that they're not dreaming it's that they wake if you wake up more naturally you have a better mm-hmm. chance of recalling those dreams that's true and um but if we wake up to an alarm and we're <laughs> running out the door in the last like that you're not gonna uh have that also your dreams set the mood for the day we've all experienced you know we had a real pleasant dream before we woke up and the rest of the day seems to go well you know so yes uh, also as you're going off to bed you can you can tell your subconscious i'm gonna have dreams about something pleasant or like that and and it helps to it helps to your your subconscious will do a lot of things if you just ask it yes one of the most common questions i get is whether the hypnosis is effective if you fall asleep to it so i would love to hear your answer to that yes so as a hypnotist uh the subconscious mind is still present so Mm -hmm. just because you've and a lot of times people think they fell asleep, but they really didn't. But they probably are in a pretty deep state. Yeah. The thing is that unless you've been hypnotized a lot, the closest model you have for being in hypnosis is sleep. So a lot of times the mind just goes to, oh, I was asleep. Mm-hmm. So we need to set it up in our pre-talk so that whatever the client experiences is what's going to move us in the right direction. And well, true, but let's say they're listening to it at night while mm-hmm. they're falling asleep. And oh. so they actually do fall asleep and they don't wake up till the morning. Sure. So we're still getting those those subconscious messages. You know, it's like we can get these recordings to play at night to learn a foreign language. And that's what they operate off of. Yes. It, your subconscious is still digesting this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, research shows something that's repetitious and boring, like learning a foreign language, the subconscious can pick up on that, especially if you have a little bit of background maybe in that language. You're Mm -hmm. not going to learn complicated mathematics or something like that in your sleep. That It doesn't work that way. But you can learn things that are more repetitious and uh, not that difficult. 
So that's why language is one of the things that helps because, you know, you listen to a, a Spanish tape or something, it's all this repetition and stuff. And, you know, so eventually it drums it into your subconscious. So, yeah, we'll pick up on those suggestions and things and yeah, in, in our sleep. That's what I believe too. I always say, well, this is why we don't recommend you fall asleep to like a violent TV show. Right. right? Because you don't want that stuff in your subconscious mind yeah, while you're falling you, asleep. You want to be reading the good stuff. St- Stephen King's latest horror novel as you fall <laughs> no. off to sleep, you know, because you can be know. filled with that stuff. <laughs> totally, totally. In fact, I was reading a book that's highly acclaimed and I've been reading it a couple of nights, but there's some pretty disturbing imagery in it. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to finish this one. Like I may finish it in the daytime, but this is not going to be my nighttime reading anymore. Like I'm looking for light, happy. Yeah. Um, Give me a magical world while I'm falling asleep. (laughs) Not some like violent imagery going on. (laughs) Oh, for sure. You know, that's one of the things when I did the Silva method in the early seventies, that's one of the things that they just preached. They go, don't watch the news. Don't read newspapers. And I took that to heart. Now, if people go, well, how do you know what's going on in the world? And I go, try not to know. I mean, yeah. we get so yeah. bombarded with this stuff. It's we almost do. impossible not to know. John Stossel did a program on this uh, oh, several years back now. But he was saying that we are in the safest period of history we've ever been in. But people perceive us as being in the least safe period of history as ever. And he says a lot of it just has to do with media. Mm. You know, 150 years ago, if a hurricane hit New Orleans, who'd know? By the time you got that news, it'd be way over and done with. It's true. You know? (laughs) Yes. uh, But now, you know, if Prince Harry stubs his toe, everybody knows about it. You know, it's like (laughs) every little thing. You know, we know... What Angelina Jolie did, you know, whether it's a means anything to us or not, but we hear it. And uh, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, my older daughter, when we would drive to school, she'd want to listen to the news radio in the morning on the way. It's only like a, a, I don't know, 10, 15 minute ride. But finally, I said to her, I was like, I can't do it. I cannot do doom and gloom in the morning. I just can't do it. That's what I used to call it. I was like, we can listen to music. I'll let you listen to any of your music, but I can not do doom and gloom. And it turns out, I guess one of the teachers had said, oh, you need to know what's going on in the world in the morning. And and I was like, oh, you don't in the morning. You <laughs> The afternoon, you're good to go. But I yeah. I am so totally with you on that. So yeah, back to um, filling your head with good stuff. You can do that all day. <laughs> you yeah. choose, but certainly before you fall asleep at night. Yeah, we're coming up close to the end of our time here. Any more good tips for good sleep, good processing, creating that ability to lucid dream? Any yes. good tips around that? So on that same theme, you know, with lucid dreaming, we're creating more productive dreams and even in our external world as a result. But what is our self-talk all the time? You know, mm-hmm. what are, what are we saying to ourselves? I mean, you're always talking to your subconscious mind. What is it you're saying? You know, it's yeah. like, are you saying I'm wonderful and I'm handsome and I'm athletic and I'm healthy? Or are you saying I'm a loser and I'm going to, you know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'll never amount to anything. Because, But listen to what you're saying to yourself. And people don't realize, you know, they don't, they don't really stop and listen, but 
listen to yourself. How can you change that? Just like changing those dreams, how could you change the way you're talking to yourself and thinking about yourself? If you mm-hmm. think of yourself as being a loser and you talk to yourself that way, what other option have you given the subconscious? You know, and so if you start to think differently, and I know this can be tough sometimes because a lot of that self-talk stems from our critical faculty, which was formed like when we were just coming into this world, you know, till mm-hmm. about five years old or so. And and we've grown all our life with that same thoughts running around in our subconscious and limitations. Yes. I was raised as the stupid kid in the family. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll tell you a quick story. When I was in the second or third grade, must have been the third grade. I don't know if it was something in the school district or whatever, but myself and my two brothers, we all got IQ tests at the same time through the school system. And this was in Lincoln, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And when we got our test results back, my parents said, well, we're not going to tell you what your test results are. We don't want it to influence you. Mm -hmm. Now, I might not have been too smart, but I wasn't so stupid. I couldn't figure out that one of us <laughs> didn't do really well. <laughs> and that's probably me. Because I know if we'd all got 140, they'd have been up and down the street bragging to all the neighbors. But that yeah. didn't happen. <laughs> My older brother, they made sure he did well in school. They got him to a good college and everything. And they made sure I could get a good grip on a shovel because that's where they figured I was going. You know. <laughs> And it was hypnosis, really, that helped me to get beyond that. And mm-hmm. to, you know, I was ADD as a kid before anybody knew what ADD was. Mm-hmm. I yeah. was did poorly in school. I uh, suffered from depression. And, and it was my own mind. One day, I just got to a point where I go, I've had it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to change. And... I separated myself from the negative influences in my life, which is mainly my family and school. And I don't recommend people drop out of school. But to me, going to school every day was just a reflection of what a failure I I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, when I got away from all that stuff and got out on my own, I turned everything around. My life changed. And How did hypnosis come into it? So... Uh, well, part of it was the Silva method, teaching me how to redirect my language, my self-talk, and like Got that. It. And their kind of mantra was, change your mind, change your life. Yeah. And I came from a very negative background, mm. and I did turn that around. Are and they was, still around, the Silva yeah. method? Yeah, Silva is now yeah. part of the Mind Valley uh, organization. Oh, they are. Yeah, Interesting. So, yeah, you can yeah. still tap into it now. Um, Tony Robbins tells a similar story about how he yeah. turned his life around. Yeah, it Tony was from Robbins, like self self help quote unquote tapes that he, he would did, listen to. Uh, Silva and he, or I think he did Silva and uh, Est and stuff. I did all those things back in the day. You know, uh-huh. yeah, it's uh, it helped me a lot and it, it encouraged me into this world of hypnosis because I took everything that Silva had to offer. Then uh, I any other classes I could find, and then I went to. Um, Colorado Free University, where I teach now, actually, it was Denver Free University at the time, had, was offering some hypnosis classes. And so I jumped in on those and 
the guy who was the instructor and one of the other students, the three of us got together and we started a business using uh, hypnosis methods and things and uh, creating wealth and like that. So interesting. So was that your first like hypnosis practice really? Yeah. Uh, I started full-time practice 30 years ago. And mm-hmm. so before that, you know, I was doing a lot of stuff with it, but I, it, it wasn't until one day I just the light came on and I go, hell, I could make a living doing this. <laughs> <laughs> what were you making a living at before then? I was a diesel mechanic. Oh, and you were doing hypnosis on the side. Yeah. Plus, uh-huh. uh, I owned a lot of uh, real estate and I had um, part of uh, with my partners uh, owned uh, a couple of companies, uh, an investment company and a mm-hmm. property management company. And we were going like crazy, but mm-hmm. myself and one of the other guys, we, we got divorced right at that time. And I sold out my interest and then mm-hmm. I got more into looking at myself. Yeah. It's, it's been a fun time. I was an ultra distance runner too. So that really played into oh. the whole subconscious thing. Yes. Yes. Your first interview was about talking some about working with top athletes. Oh, yeah. And so that makes sense to me now. If you're an ultra distance runner, mm-hmm. I'm watching the Netflix documentary about the Tour de France right oh. now. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's so good. But they were talking about the difference between they actually said an ultra marathon runner it's individual versus the Tour de France. Yeah, it's a very it's team. team. It's team. It's not just that. Like endurance. You have to have that, the qualities of an ultramarathon runner. And you have to be able to play chess at the same time. It is yeah. totally. It's all this uh, strategy and stuff. You're it absolutely is. right. And, you know, we hear names like uh, Lance Armstrong and stuff. But mm-hmm. Lance Armstrong would not be anything that wasn't for all those guys behind him. Oh, you know, for it's, sure. it's yeah. your team that gets you team, across right. that line first, you know. Yeah, they're very clear about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. I really liked working with the cyclists because you don't see these huge egos like you do in some other sports, you know, because mm-hmm. it's they're you know, they're talented. They don't get the mega million dollar uh, bonus checks. and Yeah, they don't. Right. And they're they're mostly they're much more down to earth uh, kinds of people. Well, thank you so much for being on the show again. Thanks. It's nice talking to you again. truly enjoying today's episode. Remember that you can get free hypnosis downloads over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. I work all over the world doing hypnosis. So if you're interested in working with me, please schedule a free consultation over at my website and we'll see what your goals are and if I can be of service to you in helping you reach them. 
Finally, if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast or tell a friend. That way, more and more people learn about the power of hypnosis. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Peace. This podcast is not mental health treatment, nor should it replace mental health treatment. If you need therapy or hypnotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional.